Hey, it's Lynn Galadner, and this is the Make Meaning Podcast. I'm founder of the Your People Marketing and PR Agency, and I lead the Make Meaning Movement, a platform that helps purpose-driven visionaries and leaders do business with meaning. On this podcast, you'll hear stories of how people dare to take chances to live the life they want with meaningful work and purposeful days. There are many ways to fill your life with meaning. Join us at makemeaning.org to learn more. Now, on to the show. In the early weeks of the coronavirus pandemic, Michael Zeman sat in his office and gazed at images on his computer of the Himalayan mountains. The images were taken from 100 miles away, a distance that for decades had appeared clouded by smog and pollution. With the world silenced and shut down, the air had cleared and the views extended for uninterrupted, glorious miles. This sight brought an inspiration to Michael. He's a home builder focused on creating custom beach homes, and he had a revelation that he must reconcile his work with the very real impact of climate change. That led Michael to launch One Tree Pledge on Earth Day 2020, an effort to offset carbon emissions by planting trees on protected federal lands. He plants one tree for every square foot he builds, and since the launch, One Tree Pledge has planted nearly 100,000 trees already. Michael says he was just aligning his personal values with his business, and now he has a goal of planting 4 billion trees by 2030. He's also implementing carbon capture technologies in his work and using more sustainable materials like bamboo. Today, I welcome Michael to the Make Meaning podcast to talk about how you can transform the work you do to fit with your beliefs and values and make the world better in the process. So I love the story of how you decided to create One Tree Pledge. And I wonder if you could help me go back to those early moments and tell our listeners about how you were viewing the Himalayan mountains early in the pandemic. And that really inspired you uh, to create this organization. So just take me through what happened for you. So I think in the beginning of the pandemic, no one, <laughs> there's a lot of uncertainty going on in the world. And a lot of people had or were forced not to work and go into the office in quarantine, which really, for me, gave me time to evaluate my business, as well as spend a little bit more time reading becoming aware of what's out there. I guess based on the news articles and stuff that I'm interested in, I think Google s- tends to send you in, you know, feeds that pique your interest. Yeah. So um, for me, I always, I grew up out, you know, loving the outdoors. And what really struck me is I, I got looped into this slideshow that was basically showing the Himalayan mountains being viewed from 300 miles away, wow. which is a site that hasn't been seen in, in my life. There were you know pictures of cities all over China that had the bluest skies anyone's ever seen. It was being tagged and sent all around the internet. You know, as you think about how this happened, you realize it's the lack of human activity, the lack of industry polluting the environment. And without that, you know, you're really able to see blue skies, mountains, clean air. Mm -hmm. And it really made me think about all of the actions that people globally do, um, but more importantly, the actions that I take 
I think I mentioned, you know, I'm a builder. I build beach houses at the Jersey Shore, Long Beach Island. I do it because I love the outdoors. I love the I, I love the beaches. I grew up going down there, mm-hmm. and I wanted to to share, or I wanted more people to have the same experiences I did on Long Beach Island, enjoying the natural environment. So as I started to do a, you know, this led me on a path of doing a lot of research on climate change and the effects of human activity, the effects of different industries, and really raising my awareness of climate change and what we're ultimately doing to the planet and how it's going to really adversely affect generations to come. And I decided right then and there that I didn't want to be a contributing factor. I wanted to be a benefit. I wanted my kids to enjoy the beaches. I wanted future generations that didn't create this problem to not have to deal with the effects of what we're all doing. So it was really an eye-opening experience and having the time to process all of the images, the pictures, and the research that I was doing. And I was just blown away. I I would, prior to the pandemic, I wouldn't have called myself an environmentalist. After doing the research and, and, and seeing what we're doing, I realized I just could not be part of the problem and I needed to be part of the solution. The industry that I've chosen is really a great industry um, because we're creators. Um, you know, we're building things. You know, that's that's my personal belief in, in what I do. And I realized that I needed to align my business interests with my personal interests and be a benefactor to the environment. I want to sort of go back to that moment about when you saw the the clear skies, the the view for hundreds of miles. Like, what were you feeling? You know, I mean, it's not around the corner from you. Obviously, it's the other side of the world. But like, how... How did that feel in that moment? Like what thoughts or feelings did you have when you were like, oh my goodness, this is the first time in maybe a generation, you know, like, was there fear or sadness or uh, like disbelief? I mean, you know, I know that when I heard about like the canals in Venice clearing enough for fish to be seen and to come back into them. And I've been to Venice and I was like, wow, that's just, that's monumental, you know? So how did you feel when you saw all this? I mean, it was really mixed emotions. At first you feel great because you're seeing clean skies the same way you saw fish and and polluted waters coming back. At first you feel great. And then you start to think about, wow, we caused the problem of why there's not fish here. We caused the pollution of why you can't see the mountains. So it was really a bag of mixed emotions. You're happy and you're overjoyed with how beautiful nature is. But then there's definitely a feeling of remorse that we cause this problem. People industry. Yeah. So I definitely, I want to talk about One Tree Pledge and we're going to get there. Um, I'm going to ask you first like a a challenging question and then we'll get to the fun stuff if you don't mind. Um, But I was a journalist for a long time and I wrote a lot about home design, architecture and building. And I, you know, I loved just, I mean, I was reporting and I was hearing stories and I was learning about um, sustainable materials and, you know, how to create home designs that, you know, fit into the landscape and, you know, maximizing our synergy with the natural world while we're, you know, building new spaces. Um, But I myself have only ever lived in older homes. Like I've never built one from the ground up. So I, I wanted to ask you as a home builder who is concerned about climate change, 
how you reconcile that notion of building anew versus renovating or transforming existing homes. Like, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Sure. So I primarily focus on new construction. And the reason in my little microcosm of the market is we are on a barrier island where I build and we need to address the changing environment. Mm-hmm. Um, specifically where I am, you know, the big thing people talk about is rising sea levels and how we cope with that for the long term. Sure. So a lot of the older homes, you know, s- suffer from physical obsolescence mm-hmm. where they can't quite, it's not the type of scenario where you could just go ahead and renovate it because it's a lot harder to hit certain codes. Also, nowadays, where building with a lot more structural integrity mm-hmm. um, to handle big storms and hurricanes. Sure. So, so for me, you know, and wanting to be a good steward to our planet, I, you know, took a deep dive into all the materials that go into our products or, or our finished homes, as mm-hmm. well as trying to look at what the effect is from, I'll, call, I'll say electrifying our homes, but I, sure. I really mean by heating, cooling, and, and using all the mechanical systems in the house. Sure. So the building industry has has made minor strides in certain areas. Doing the research, we're able to pick out you know, what those areas are whether it's um, building airtight houses that that have minimal to no heat loss, which in turn greatly reduces your electric consumption to heat and cool the house. Sure. So there's a lot of advantages when you're building new, how to to minimize the, basically the carbon impact of these structures. Okay. One of the big things that I started to look into was sourcing my materials as close to the job sites as possible. Because one of the largest contributors to greenhouse gases is moving materials around the world. Um, And that's something that a lot of people don't pay too much attention to. Sure. So what I try to do is is really a combination of having figuring out how to minimize the carbon impact on the materials that I source using sustainable materials as as well as minimizing any type of carbon produced from the structures. And then I wanted to take it to another level and figure out how to help mitigate all the carbon that that is a result of these processes. So then you launched One Tree Pledge, right? Exactly. So that's when I started to research um, different types of technologies that capture carbon versus just reducing your footprint. So through that process, carbon capture companies, which I'm still in discussions with, that are the technologies basically there that pulls carbon right out of the air. Mm-hmm. Um, and stores it in various materials. So that's just on the verge of be, becoming economically feasible. Um, but I realized the most cost-effective and most efficient way is really what planet Earth's been doing for tens of millions or hundreds of millions of years. And mm-hmm. that's using trees and, and plants. Mm-hmm. We all learned way back in the day that trees breathe in carbon dioxide mm-hmm. for photosynthesis. Mm-hmm. Um, and expel oxygen and clean air and what we breathe. So that was just like an aha moment. And mm-hmm. that further illustrates what's been going on with, you know, back to the pictures in Venice and the Himalayan mountains. Sure. That once we once we seize some of the activities that are big pollutants, then we're really able to 
watch nature do its thing. Yeah. It amazes me how nature heals itself so quickly and so well when we just step back. Like that was a big lesson for me at the beginning of the pandemic that it was like, it didn't take long for us to get out of the way and nature to say, we got this, you know, <laughs> like, um, but yeah, I want to hear a little bit about One Tree Pledge. So I know that you launched it on Earth Day 2020, 50th anniversary of Earth Day. So I'd love to know a little bit about, you know, how it works, what your goals are. Um, yeah, tell me a little bit about it. So One Tree Pledge is something I initially was something I was doing just for myself. Basically, what it was is a way to capture all of the carbon from our building activities and electric and electrifying our homes. Mm-hmm. So I'm a builder. I'm not a horticulturist. Mm -hmm. So I started to do my research and realized that there's several people doing this, Mm -hmm. you know, planting trees. But upon more and more research, I landed on American Forests, which is one of the oldest conservation organizations in the country. Okay. And what they do is they work with the federal government to reforest areas in our country and globally. Mm -hmm. Um, In our country, it tends to be on federally protected lands, Mm -hmm. and they're not just going and planting one specimen of tree. Mm -hmm. They're looking at the entire ecosystem, what trees work where and why they work better. Um, You know, for instance, in California, um, where there's a lot of forest fires, they're working to plant trees that are not as susceptible Um, to Mm -hmm. heat and fires, um, as well as providing habitat for the, the whole ecosystem that goes on in the forest. So this organization brought a ton of experience and a ton of knowledge about what trees work, where they work, why they work and and the best practices and how to do it. Mm -hmm. And then there's also follow-up where they're studying the effects of the trees that they planted and being in existence from the late 1800s, there's a lot of tried and true methods that work, Mm -hmm. um, that they continue to put forth. So what I, what I initially did is I audited probably about 20 of my homes by collecting all of my electric bills and natural gas bills, and then, you know, doing some crude calculations, um, to figure out what the carbon emissions were. Mm -hmm. So I definitely recognize that I'm building new houses and they're very airtight. I'm working with the highest energy star rated systems out there. Carbon that I'm that I'm emitting from my activities are probably a lot less than a comparable older home. So I was I was figuring on a high on a higher end, my homes were emitting approximately um, two tons of carbon mm-hmm. for every thousand square feet. Okay. Um, as, as a conservative average, mm-hmm. when you actually think about two tons, you know, per thousand of 4,000 square foot houses, eight, eight tons, that's 16,000 pounds of carbon, okay. um, which is a shitload part of my language, but it's a lot. <laughs> okay. Um, so I wanted to figure out how, how to offset this. So I worked pretty closely with American Forest and the CEO, Jad Daly, and helping me run calculations to help mitigate um, the carbon. Mm-hmm. Um, so taking, again, very conservative estimates, um, factoring in a die rate on the trees, we were conservatively estimating that each tree is going to sequester between 10 and 13 pounds of carbon every year over a 50-year life. 
Okay. So again, so what does that mean do... in practical terms for planting trees? Like how many trees per house would that be? So if I have a 4,000 square foot house, that's putting out eight tons of carbon every year. That's mm-hmm. 16,000 pounds. And I apologize. I'm just doing qu- some quick math <laughs> um, because uh, I'm trying to more than help mitigate it. Uh-huh. Um, so in a 4,000 square foot house of my, of a brand new construction that I would do, if I planted 1,600 trees, um, that would in theory help to mitigate 16,000 pounds of carbon a year. Okay. So I wanted to take, you know, I like to be conservative. So I decided for my own projects that I'm going to be planting a minimum of 5,000 trees per project or one tree per square foot. Mm, Okay. And so, so you do this, like you build a house for someone, you have a customer. Um, do you tell them about this? Do they end up contributing to it? Or is this sort of like you're giving back? I mean, how, how does that play out? So when I first started and I, I, I first had the idea, this was, again, for my my own benefit, to, be, to make me feel good and align my activities and my business. Yeah. So I just started doing it without telling anybody. Okay. And then I thought, you know, maybe there's a there's a message here. Mm-hmm. Um, the more clients I talk to about this, you know, the more I realize that there's a growing awareness that's happening right now where a lot of people are becoming a little bit more knowledgeable and aware about climate change. And they're looking for ways to get involved and looking for things that they could do. Mm-hmm. And they're just, you know, not really sure what actions okay. to take. Okay. So that's when I decided to um, make this a little bit more public and start talking about it to show people how easy it is. And that's the goal is to make this as easy as possible. Through a partnership with American Forest, we're putting the heavy lifting on them mm-hmm. to plant all the trees. And mm-hmm. they're able to do it in a very cost-effective way of a dollar per tree. Wow. So you, exactly. it's It was just like, aha. Yeah, Um, it was an aha moment. So then I tried to extrapolate this for other people. And I did a lot of research on average homes, average size of homes, average emissions, which it's all on our one tree website. And there's a carbon math section. Mm -hmm. um, And it tells you where we got the info from. But I realized that if everyone planted one tree Mm -hmm. for each square foot of their home or apartment, Mm -hmm. they would really help to mitigate all the greenhouse gases that come from using Mm. these homes. Well, that's great because I was going to ask you next how people can become more sustainable in their homes and offset their carbon production or emission. Um, So that's a great way to do it. And they can do it through One Tree Pledge, or do you just send them directly to American Forest? How does that work? They could do it any which way, but there's, we made it very easy. If they go on One Tree Pledge, they could read a little bit about um, the history there's a one-click button that says mm-hmm. plant trees, mm-hmm. and it's uh, just a couple clicks of a button, and you can plant as many trees as as you see fit and okay. you can afford. So are there other things that listeners can do to become more sustainable in their homes? So this is a great way, but is there anything in terms of, you know, they already live in a home and they're not building it, but do you have any recommendations for how to be more carbon efficient? There's a number. It's, you know, it, every home is different, so you have to figure out where the large, I'll call leakage of greenhouse gases is coming from. Mm-hmm. One of the interesting partnerships that we just formed was with a company called ResNet. Okay. Um, and ResNet is is a company or a, or an organization that has many people 
involved with it that, that could go and figure out your heat loss calculations on your building envelope. And okay. then they make recommendations on how to tighten the home to mitigate heat loss. And mm-hmm. I, I keep saying heat loss, but controlling the climate of your home is one of the biggest contributing factors. So if we're able to limit the heat loss, that's huge. Updating your appliances with higher energy star, more efficient appliances. One of the simple things is people's hot water heaters don't have that long of a life. Mm-hmm. Replacing it with tankless hot water heaters, mm-hmm. um, you know, greatly cuts down on the greenhouse gas emissions, whether it's electric or natural gas. You know, something as simple as putting in a smart a smart thermostat. You know, everyone's heard of the Nest thermostat, and mm-hmm. they have some pretty um, interesting calculations that they mm-hmm. find that when people install the Nest thermostat, they're reducing their consumption by over sixteen percent. Wow. So there's lots of little steps. So I wanted to ask you um, just to have a little bit of background, like how did you get into home building in the first place? Like what was that inspiration? Was it just um, because you grew up going to the shore or was it something more than that? Yeah, it was basically growing up, going down to the shore, spending my summers with my family on the beach Mm -hmm. and, and knowing that I wanted other people to be able to have the same happy memories and enjoying nature mm-hmm. that I did. Yeah. Does it ever concern you now that you're that you're so climate conscious? Like I remember when Superstorm Sandy happened and um I was talking to a friend about uh someone I know who lived on lives on a coast and was really hit hard by it. And my friend said, well, you know, we're really not supposed to live that close to the water, even though we love to. And I, I never thought about it, you know, because like I I'm a water girl. I love being by water. And so I just wonder when we hear all these scary projections and, you know, where our world is going to be in 50 years, like I worry about that. Does it ever concern you or are you um, really conscious of what you can do to protect that shore? You know, what are your thoughts about that? If we do nothing, the outlook for the future is going to be grim. But if we start becoming aware and taking actions, our future could be very, very bright. And that's really what I want for my kids and future generations. And I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure that they could enjoy the same beautiful beaches and the same environment and the same planet that I enjoyed growing up. Yeah, I love that. So, you know, on this show, we talk a lot about how people make meaning in their lives and find purpose in their work. And so I wonder what advice you would offer our listeners to inspire them to go in search of their meaning and put it to work for them? So I could tell you what works for me and hopefully other people could extrapolate what would work for them. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing you know that I, that I kind of said that I started out was figuring out what's important to, to myself mm-hmm. and you know what makes me happy. And my happiest times, honestly, are on the beach in the summertime with my family and friends, Mm -hmm. um, enjoying the outdoors, Mm -hmm. um, in the winter, you know, it it could be skiing on on the mountains. Um, but I am just a lover of outdoors. Mm -hmm. And so I was saying, I, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a lover of all things outdoors Mm -hmm. and in my business, I somehow got lucky and fell into a situation where I'm able to create beautiful homes for people to enjoy the beaches and the outdoors, the same thing that makes me happy. I think that as you will start to align your interests with what makes you happy, then things just start to click and the luck seems to get luckier 
and you tend to excel at what you do. Um, and as you as for me, as I continue to excel at what I do, I really get happy when I'm providing people with their dream homes. Mm-hmm. And when I see them with family and friends and I bump into them and they tell me how happy they are and how much fun they're having. And sometimes it's about how beautiful their house is, but mm-hmm. it's really, you know, a place for people to come down to appreciate the beaches mm-hmm. and have a beautiful home that's sustainable, that'll last for generations that they can share with their family and friends. For me, happiness, mm-hmm. um, figuring out what makes you happy, figuring out what's important to you, and then trying to align all those interests, business, professional, personal, um, so they're in alignment. Things just start becoming successful, all your endeavors. Yeah. I love that. Well, thank you. Well, Michael, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure to speak with you and we will make sure that in our show notes, everybody can find One Tree Pledge and learn about you. So thanks for being on the Make Meaning Podcast. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Make Meaning Podcast with Lynn Galadner. You can find us wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. If you like what you've heard here, join us over at makemeaning.org to discover how you can add more meaning to your life. And hey, if you like our conversations, please subscribe and share this episode with the meaningful people in your world.